Hey, podcast listeners, Patrick here. Tickets for BroadwayCon 2017, presented by Mischief Management and Playbill, are now on sale. Also, we just announced this week that we've added Tony winner Daisy Egan, Tony nominee Josh Young, Adam Cantor, and Tony winner Joe DiPietro to this year's roster. Tickets and more information can be found at broadwaycon.com. Okay, now to the show. I know a place where you belong. Come follow me and join the song. Welcome to BroadwayCon! The podcast, the show for the theater kid in all of us. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. I have to say, you guys, there really can't be anything more enjoyable in the world than interviewing Laura Benanti. She manages to be that perfect blend of, like, serious-ish, brilliant, and hilarious. She's basically the perfect human. She's the one the aliens should study. Anyway, for this week, I had the idea that we should talk about cast albums. So I threw myself, Laura, and my good pal Robbie Roselle, who is the vice president of Broadway Records and also a cast album designer, into a recording studio to talk about the cast recording of She Loves Me. We sort of stayed on topic, but sort of not. It was a great chat. So here we go. Episode four. Welcome to the BroadwayCon podcast, Laura Benanti and Robbie Roselle. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so, you so much. Miss Benanti, every time I don't see you for a little while, some crazy stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about it? We can. <laughs> I just, I have very bizarre interactions with people on the street. And for whatever reason, men in New York City really seem to be digging like a 16 week <laughs> pregnancy <laughs> belly. That's They're, so crazy. It's so weird. I mean, I understand that my boobs are humongous right now, they are at an E. <laughs> They are is a 34 E. Wow. Yeah. But it's like they don't make it past my boobs to look at my protruding child. <laughs> so literally a, a man, when I was holding my husband's hand, we were walking down the street and the man leans over, looks at my boobs and just says, tits. <laughs> <laughs> and my, I was like, first of all, do you not see my husband? He was like, I don't care about your, I mean, he didn't actually say that, but obviously he doesn't care. And then I was like, what if he was just naming body parts? What if to the next person he was like, elbow, <laughs> knee. Totally. That's... For me, those, that's the first thing he saw. But then I was in the park yesterday taking a picture. She said park. It sounded like bar. It was the park. <laughs> I was in the bar, guys. No, I was in the park taking a photo of a beautiful pond and a man on a bike yelled out, I like them titties. <laughs> That is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. I'm not going to laugh. That's I, no, unacceptable. No, I finally turned around and said, do you see my stomach? <laughs> I mean, all the time that I spent trying to be so thin, I should have just been letting it all loose. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I don't know. But it is just it's impact. very disturbing. For the record, that's a hilarious story. But I just meant, like, can we talk about the fact that you're, like, gloriously pregnant? Oh, you didn't want me to talk about I my tits? I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to talk about really quickly, if it's okay, yeah. is Melania. Good evening. Before we begin the show tonight, I need to address a controversy. Last night's Republican National Convention keynote speaker, Melania Trump, has been accused of plagiarizing portions of her speech from Michelle Obama's appearance at the 2008 Democratic Convention. Now, personally, I don't think Mrs. Trump is to fault at all. I think oh, yeah. Is that how you say her name? Sure. <laughs> Melania Trump. Yeah. yeah. So you you made an appearance on the... What's Colbert that? Show. The Colbert yeah. Show. As Melania Trump. I did. And my friend is convinced that you're going to be on Saturday Night Live now. Welcome, welcome, Mrs. Trump. I, I understand that you have a statement. Yes, that is true. 
And, and, and this statement was written by the same staffers who wrote last night's speech? Yes, I wrote it. Well, um, well ma'am, the, the floor is yours. My fellow Americans, this is truly the best of times. <laughs> it is the worst of times. <laughs> I did not plagiarize my speech last night. I would never do such a thing. I would not, could not with a goat. <laughs> Would not, could not on a boat. You know, I would love to be on Saturday Night Live. No one has called me. <laughs> um, so I have a feeling it's not going to happen. But I, I think it would be so hilarious to have M Melania and Bill Clinton in like in charm school together to figure out how to be the best like first people you know yes. um i think that could be funny but it's tricky with her because you know obviously she did something that was so brazen and blatant that like it, it warranted yes. comedic satire but you know we talked about me coming back but at this point she hasn't done anything else so it would feel like bullying we need her to do something crazy i need her to be let out of whatever cave they have her <laughs> totally. hidden in so she can actually do something we're not about bullying at broadway con but no, melania I, do something yeah, stupid i don't want to bully but yeah. but like if you could get out there <laughs> sometimes i just want to be like poke <laughs> just do laura a solid yeah and get out there. come on um you know that i'm doing that thing where i can't believe i'm talking to you you know that always happens That's to me when so i talk funny to you to me I, you're so famous to me and you're such a big God, star no. i always have to tell you like it occurred to me today, you know what you know what we're gonna get to talk about for a minute or two. What you know, the thing that I'm obsessed with: <laughs> women on the verge of the nervous oh, breakdown. Oh sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Oh. All right, so we got to get to Robbie Rozelle. Hi, Boo. I love Hi. you so much. So tell the people who you are and what you do and how the two of you know each other. Oh, um, I'm Robbie Rozelle. Mm -hmm. uh, I work for Broadway Records. Uh, I design cast albums for a living. That's amazing. Yeah, so you and Laura, he does more than design well, cast albums for you. a living. I, he he is also a director. He designs my website and many fancy people's mine. websites. I, I do fancy yeah. things. He does a lot of fancy things. He's Thank like you. he's brilliant. I don't fully understand what it's called. Is it a graphic designer? Uh, like a creative director? There, there sure. you go. Perfect. Sure. That's what he sure. does. Um, and so what we're really here to talk about today is like cast albums and, and specifically the She Loves Me cast album. Mm. So, Robbie, you designed the She Loves Me cast album. I did design the She Loves Me cast I petitioned to design the You Broadway told me you had a story, album. so tell us the story. Oh, um, I and Laura, you should jump in on this too. Uh, the show was going to be recorded by another company. Yes. And... You got the call on a Friday that it was not going to happen? The day before we were supposed to record the album, we were told that um, the, 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 they were not going to record it anymore and that they were in the process of finding a new label, which they did in like a matter of hours. Yeah, and it was like uh, uh, Yom Kippur or some, some, uh, w one of the Jewish holidays. So Kurt Deutsch from Shookaboom, um was on a plane like going somewhere for for like the holiday and uh he got off the plane um and made the trip back to new york to record the album because um he knew like we all knew that it needed to be preserved and i uh immediately started texting anybody who would listen 
uh, saying, I will do this for literally next to nothing. It's my favorite show of all time. Laura is... I mean, I'm ba- Robbie's basically the reason why I did the show. Because bo- actually, both you and Seth Rudetsky had been like, when are you going to do She Loves Me? Wow. Um, and every time I would say to Robbie, like, what show should I do? He was like, I don't know how many times I have to tell you She Loves Me. <laughs> she Loves Me. She Loves Me. She, It's the greatest show of all time. Robbie, tell me before we get into She Loves Me. Ex- t- let's talk about cast albums in general. Oh. Why are they important? And what what is the, beyond like like the gay me screaming to like the Tommy <laughs> album when I was like 14, what is like the, po- like, why are they important? Why are they not? I mean, um, uh, most people's first uh, sort of foray into the theater is through the cast albums that they listen to. The The preservation of theater music is so important because the show's here one day and then it's gone. The She Loves Me production ran, what, six months? I have no idea. Maybe eight. I'm looking at... Lo- I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> is that a baby brain? Yeah, Great. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I take it a day at a time. But I will say now, I think most people's first experience with theater is through YouTube. Mm, but that yeah. is, n- but that's not legal. And it's you know what I mean? Right. Like, a, like a bootleg recording is not, it's not the version of the show that is meant to be seen. So I feel like to have a legal, <laughs> like preserved um, recording. That is, sounds That sounds incredible. The way right. it was meant to be heard is really important Mm -hmm. yeah well okay so i wanted to talk to you about this about the the actual action of recording the album can you take us into what that experience is like well the thing i really appreciated about the way that kurt deutsch our producer recorded it is that it was us singing along live with the orchestra the way we do eight times a week is that not usual uh, no Meaning they were in another room and you were singing to the... No, we we were in the same room, except we were just like in our own little like veal pen booths. Um, And you're saying it's usually like a pre-recorded track. I mean, I guess it depends, but it can be a pre-recorded track or um, you do it like once all together and then you just sort of like punch in your vocal over what the orchestra has recorded. But this was like a few takes. We're just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. which is why I think it sounds so much like the actual production because I didn't wear cans. Oh, really? Yeah, I just sang like I sang on stage. I make believe nothing is wrong. How long can I pretend? Please make it right. Don't break my So you couldn't hear yourself. No. So that leads me into a question. My my husband Steve was very insistent <laughs> that I ask you, and this is a real question. I, I you know that I think you're a goddess, and you are a goddess, but you're also like a you're also how do I say this? You are a uh, a well known actress who sells tickets to a show. So when you what sort of control do you have as Laura Benanti when you go into a recording? Can you? Can you ask for things that other people can't ask for? <laughs> no. Really? I can't ask for anything. No, I, I'm, I'm, I wish. No, I mean, I asked, you know what? I did ask for the order in which I would sing. Just Diva. Just total diva. <laughs> just so that I could preserve my voice. Because I had just sung eight 
eight shows a week, you know? Yeah. So my day off, my vocal cords know this is our day off. Good night. Yeah. So it is challenging to go in and be like, just kidding, wake him back up. <laughs> and also this is per- preserved forever. So like right. if you could get it together. So there are definitely <laughs> things on the album that I'm like, wish I had felt fresher for, you oh, know, please. the, you sound well, thank perfect. you. But like, I wish I had, I had had the stamina to hold that B longer, but I just honestly like didn't want to blow it all out and then not be able to sing the rest of the, of the show. I was so nasty. Well, he deserved it. But even so, that George is not like this George. This is a new George that I don't know. Somehow, it all reminds me of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like right before my eyes, a man that I despise has turned into a man I Almost like a dream, and strange as it may seem, he came to offer me the about the previously existing recordings. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. you know, like you were saying, like this is preserved forever. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the reasons why an album like this gets done when there are some albums that exist is because you are in the show. Do you feel like you need to like be different or are you just going to do the thing that you do? Or like, do you feel the pressure of knowing like Barbara Cook sang this and it's recorded too? You know, I've done so many revivals and maybe I'm just an idiot, but I just always come from a place of but I'm different. Yeah. You know, and not even I'm different. We're all different. You know, I'm going to interpret a song differently than Barbara Cook. Jane's going to interpret a song differently um, than anybody else. And, you know, what's the point of doing the revival if you're not going to bring your own stamp to it? Mm-hmm. So I feel like with Barbara Cook and Judy Kuhn and myself, you get three very different takes on a brilliantly written character. And there are some things that are like obviously going to be similar because that's just the way to interpret it. But I think there are enough um, differences and nuances that there is a reason for this, you know, fresh album. Yeah. Robbie, talk to me about the design of it. So you were saying you you petitioned to design it. And what can you talk a little bit about how that is done and then why your packaging looks the way that it does? Sure. Um, I did petition to design it because uh, it was not on my label. I knew that it had been recorded without headphones and um, uh, you guys were all in the same room and I was like, I want this to feel just like it would feel when they when they when the show originally opened so uh, I put it in a cardboard sleeve that opens up like a record like a two disc record jacket essentially Um, and there are 20 25 I think full color shots of the show in there some of which I don't think even the actors had seen um, because I wanted I wanted it to feel like you were seeing the show and to I wanted it to feel like um, I'm opening this record of this glorious golden age musical and to uh, like you know when you when you touch a CD and it's in that jewel case it, it doesn't have the same feeling yeah. um, as that like cardboard and like you pop it out and you play it and there it is. That's so smart. 
it, it's I just love that. it it's it's what felt right yeah. for the and you know when you open it up and there's a beautiful shot of Maritex, yes. like the outside so of it. It's yeah. just like oh, I had so many great things to play with, and um, I wanted to make sure everybody in the ensemble was featured in the book in some way. I really appreciate that. Um, it's so oh. you're amazing. He is. Stop. Can I ask you? Um, I wanted to ask you because I, I'm obsessed, of course, with Women on the Verge. And every time I see you, I have to ask you another question <laughs> uh-huh. about it. So that's one of those shows that, like, a lot of people didn't see. Yeah. I criminally. Saw I saw it twice, once on Christmas, but it's fine. <laughs> um, so it's one of those shows that people, if they know it, they probably know it from the album. And yes. I'm wondering, you have that amazing six-minute model behavior, yeah. which is just like, you know, what an, what an incredible song. Do people Do people talk to you about that album a lot? Yeah, I mean, people really love that album. They love that song. The music in that show is so extraordinary, and I feel like it's almost gotten a second life through the album. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, which I am so glad about because I just think Yazbek is so brilliant. Yeah, David Yazbek. So yeah, uh, like whenever I sing the song in my shows, people go nuts, and then the people who don't know it are just like, "What <laughs> is? Why are you doing this to me? Why? Yeah. Are, why is this happening? I hate you." I've got a problem in the shower, and I've only got a minute. What's the problem? in the shower is this guy that I've been dating named Malik. He's what's the word? Swarthy like a desert chic. And he's been here in my apartment for about a week. I met him down at Cafe Sombra and I know you think I'm overly romantic but you wouldn't believe the connection we had. Like immediately I was ready for him to meet my mom. Like I could feel my heart exploding like some kind of bomb. Which is ironic because actually I think he literally has some kind of anyway grandpa happy birthday. Say I love the grandma and be sure and think oh that was him. I may be jumping to conclusions God I um, Robbie, I wanted to talk to you because you and I have had talks about, and I think it's an important thing to talk about about pirating. Ugh. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, let's Let, unleash, girl. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so cast albums cost so much money; they make very little return um, because you know there's a finite number of musical theater lovers in the world who what? Will, <laughs> I know it's so weird. It is weird. We know going in, listen, it's not a great model um, <laughs> for making money uh, unless you're um, like a Hamilton or a Wicked that can will accrue for years and years and years. Like Wicked will make so much money for the cast album. Yeah. Um, and good for them, you know, because... Good for them. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> Be- but like, you know, that company has also put up the money for for albums that did not sell um just to preserve it D- thomas shepherd was really big about like and and goddard lieberson like uh anyone can whistle that ran six performances but there's a cast album and so it gets done the baker's wife which closed out of town there's a cast album and so meadowlark exists mm-hmm. and wouldn't without that recording um and she loves me this is the the fourth english language for, uh, fifth English language recording of She Loves Me. Um, so, like, you know, re- producers wouldn't necessarily be like, yes, I need to put all my money into this because the because there's four others out there, um, two from Broadway and two from London. Uh, so, anyway, pirating, uh, where people share illegally via websites. I think there's like a subreddit and all sorts of horrible things that I go after <laughs> them yeah. like crazy because like like something they love won't happen because there's eventually there just won't be money and people will be people like me uh, will be like, why would we make this album? 
why would we record this musical that ran for three months at the public, like a Michael John Lacusa show, mm-hmm. um, when it's just going to be shared and we'll never see any money to even break even? Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I ask you guys what, so we'll end maybe with, um, tell me your favorite cast albums. Ooh. Robbie, you go first. Um, Sunday in the Park with George. Yes. <laughs> yes, girl. Um, the Nine Revival, I think, is. Do we know anybody stunning. that was in that? No, some booch um, <laughs> with tits. <laughs> Mary Mary Stuart Masterson, though, on that album. How about she's her? spectacular? Yeah. And Antonio, yeah, yeah, so good. Um, uh, uh, oh, I listen to cast albums every day. I think the Hamilton album is expertly produced. Yeah. I wish the packaging were better. <laughs> we'll cut those. Strike that. <laughs> no, you don't have to. There's not one photo in there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. They yeah. want you to see the show. They yeah. want you to buy that book. <laughs> you better buy that ticket you for $600. You know what? I, I've actually heard about the producers on that show that they don't like photos of the show. That You don't see photos anywhere. Well, I guess you do now. But back in the beginning, sure. they yeah. like, the idea was like you didn't know. I appreciate that, though, yeah. back in the beginning because you wanted it, it was such a, a, a world you yeah. became immersed in. Totally. Like, I want, you wanted it to wash yes over Yes, no, but like there are kids who growing up. Please who, don't disagree with Laura Benanti. I often. Don't worry. I'll, really have don't. Him, I'll have him laugh. <laughs> I'll get fired. I'm gonna get a text in five, four. Um, no, but like growing up, as I said, I grew up really poor, and um, like cast albums and the and the imagery in cast albums yeah. is like how I saw the world and how like you know seeing Mandy Patinkin in front of the Sunny in the Park with George mm-hmm. set, putting all that together. That's how I visualized yeah. that in yeah. my head. So that Hamilton album not having, like, a, for me, a crucial piece is missing. Um, it's expertly produced, though. Yeah. I listen to it all the time. Let's, let's be real. <laughs> Mine was um, the original Into the Woods. Oh. Has there ever been a better performance oh. than Bernadette Peters in I really in liked Sunday the Cinderella in the, the Revival. Yeah. She, she was really good. Oh, me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh, no. I thought we were still talking about the original. Yep. I was like. <laughs> yep. Um, you know what else is pretty amazing is Patti LuPone and Evita. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, <laughs> I He's always- a I mean, oh, I used to try that was to pretty listen. Amazing. Yeah, that's everybody. Happened. I used to sing that. I used to climb up on my dresser and sing that into my mirror. Oh my And one God. time, my dad opened the door and I fell off my dresser because <laughs> I didn't want him to see. And then one time, that's... she got you so drunk that you had to fall asleep in your I bathtub. Did well in the shower with yeah. all my clothes and shoes on. <laughs> did you? Could you have ever imagined that when you were a little kid? Getting hammered with Patty LaBeouf. Yeah. <laughs> when you're like, when you're on the dresser singing Avita at the top of your lungs with your big afro. Yeah. And doing two shows. I only know that you had one because your mom told me. Doing like gypsy, like the gypsy. You know what's funny is like, if you had asked me when I was a little kid, like, would I one day be in the presence of like Cheetah Rivera and Patti LuPone, I would have been like, yeah. I love that so (laughs) much. I love that so much. I gotta go. I could literally, I could literally cry because you're not saying it in like, I'm so amazing. No, I'm not amazing. I was like, I will do anything Mm. to make this happen. I will manifest, like I was the original secret. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna sue those mothers. Like I, I I felt so alone in every other aspect of my life. The only thing that, that felt real to me was Broadway and like, and cast albums. And I 
was like, I don't care what I have to sacrifice. You know, I will, I will get there. Can I ask you, were you like a lonely kid? Yes. Because you're so outgoing and you're so funny. I, I have a hard time. And this is this is a stupid like cliche that I shouldn't maybe even say out loud. But like I cannot imagine that you weren't the most popular kid in your high school. I was. Well, first of all, I looked crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, I really like I grew. We'll have pictures on the website, you guys. I, I'll get I'll send you some. <laughs> will you really? I'm not joking. Really? Yeah, I will. Because you are literally the most beautiful human I've ever seen. Not, I wasn't. I wasn't. But I do think that it's in a never way, too late, you guys. that's why I honed other skills mm-hmm. because I was not beautiful. I was beautiful as a little girl. Uh-huh. And then I hit puberty at like 10. And all of a sudden, I was a giant. I had boobs and like horrible, horrible acne. Really? Horrible acne. Wow. Like all, everywhere on my back, my chest. I had braces. I had like my, I had not quite, my nose grew before like anything else. So I had not quite <laughs> grown into my nose. Um, and I, I just, you know, I had this horrible afro and we didn't have a lot of money. So I, I wore secondhand clothes. And um, so it, I was not popular at all. And I was also like nerd alert. I was always like, who wants to listen to Annie? Everyone was like, literally no one. Get away. You know? So yes, I was outgoing. And yes, I had a sense of humor. But guess who's not interested in a sense of humor and being outgoing? It's middle school girls. Middle school. Uh Anybody. How did you survive that? Like, what what are the tools? If you had to tell somebody right now what to do. Linda. She has such an incredible sense of humor. Yeah. And she... So Linda, for sure, because she has a hilarious way of looking at everything to the point where sometimes I'm like, Mom, no, that's your inside voice <laughs> coming out. But she can turn the most tragic situation and she will flip it and she will find some little piece of humor in it um, and never at the expense of someone else, rarely at the expense of someone else. Um, but so Linda and then also the idea that I knew I had some modicum of talent. I didn't think I was the most talented person. I knew I wasn't pretty enough. I knew I wasn't a belter. I was a soprano. And even then I knew like there's waning (laughs) roles. Um, But I, it was the only place I felt at home. So to have a drive at that young age was a lifesaver to me. You know, my heart breaks for these kids who are in a similar experience of like feeling like they don't fit in or feeling unattractive, but they don't have that light at the end of the tunnel to reach toward. My heart breaks for them. I don't know what I would have done without that light. Yeah. Then it's just darkness. Yeah. You know, so I think that's part of the reason why cast albums are so important to me and musical theater in general because so many of my and I hate this word because it sounds like I think I'm amazing but like so many of my fans or mm-hmm. so many of the people who, who enjoy my work are young women who feel or young men who mm, gay feel boys. gay boys who feel <laughs> ostracized or on the outs mm-hmm. or like they are not part of the cool group and I, it's like all I want to do is take them in my arms and be like, I got you. It's yeah. okay. Oh my God, you're going to make me you sad. Know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's all Ever I Ever since I became a mother, I'm just, I can't hear things <laughs> like that. I hear you. Everything <laughs> makes me cry. Uh, oh, do you know if you're having a boy or girl? And you don't have to say. I'm having just, a girl. <laughs> oh. oh my God, really? Yeah. Oh, having, having a little girl. Being a mom to a, a little girl is like the most amazing gift. Sorry, Mike. Yeah. Oh my God, I just blew Mike's ears out. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I... 
just scream so loud just because bleeding. Having, just bleeding from the ears. Having a little baby girl well. is like the most. It's the most. Boy, boys, you're fine. It's great. Right. I love you too. But little girls are just the most. So amazing. in 25 years, you can come see our production of Gypsy. Amen. <laughs> when I undertook this correspondence. You guys, thank you for being on BroadwayCon, the podcast. Thank, thank you. you. This is just a dream come true. I have to create a new podcast next week so I can interview you again like, soon. Okay, sounds good. Amazing. Just called uh, Tits. <laughs> <laughs> tits, the and podcast. full circle. Exactly. <laughs> Bye. 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 Feelings are on shore. Flaubert, Chopin, Renoir, the more I read. One of the things I treasure most about my job is that I get to sit and ask questions of, literally, the greatest artists working in the theater today. And the fact that I get to listen to their stories. So it doesn't happen often, but from time to time, I am astounded by something one of these great artists has to say. It happened recently during an interview I was doing with Lisa Crone, the Tony-winning lyricist and book writer of Fun Home. I was asking her about her decision to be both book writer and lyricist. The book writing part obviously was a no-brainer. She's a prolific and celebrated solo performer and playwright, but writing lyrics too? Why? How? And all of a sudden she was telling me this really emotional story about how hard it was to learn the craft of lyric writing and how she almost quit. She talked a lot about being a beginner, and that just blew my mind. This completely self-made, celebrated, Tony-winning writer talking about being a beginner at this point in her career. It was so humble and honest, and I just needed her to expand on that statement. If you're not familiar with her early work, she talks here about an autobiographical solo play she wrote back in 1999 called 2.5 Minute Ride. It was a huge hit. It was the thing that put her on the map. Okay, here she is. What are we missing? What have we left out? When he comes down here, what's in store? There's no way not to be a beginner when you start a process. Even if you're doing the same thing you did before, there's just, there's just no way not to do it. You, you have some story. It's often true that you have some story that you need to tell. For me, it was the story in 2.5 Minute Ride. And when I made that, I thought, I have... It, all of a sudden it became clear that I had worked in all the different, you know, all the, you know, goofy storytelling, the whatever I had done downtown for so many years, so many years, so many years. I had been working to try to learn the skills to tell this story. It's also what Allison says about Fun Home, actually. And after it happened, I remember talking to Moises Kaufman the next year, and he had just done um, Gross Indecency. And we were both in London, and we were sitting, this sounds so glamorous, I guess it was a kind of a glamorous moment. We were sitting, um, you know, on these benches on Victoria Embankment, and, um, you know, talking about trying to start to write something new after making the thing that we had you know, and then, and then having it land in the way that we dreamed that it would land. And then this sort of shock that you don't carry that with you into the next project. I mean, you do in terms of opportunities that come to you and, you know, whatever. It's definitely, it definitely, it's, those things do change. But in terms of the actual making of the work, it, it does not. I mean, I would say the, the thing that it gives you over time is that you know that when you feel hopeless and terrible, what you learn is that that is, in fact, how it feels to, to write. And even then, it's not like you're like, oh, 
I know that, so now I don't feel hopeless and terrible. It's like you have to keep saying to yourself, this is what it feels like, this is what it feels like. And then you forget, and then you're like, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. And then you're like, no, 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 remember that other 20 times that this has happened to you? This is what it feels like. You know, it, that that's so interesting, because I was wondering about your way into this. When, you, when you're looking at a graphic novel, how did you, in the very beginning, for that year before you worked with Janine, how, how did you try to penetrate that to be able to tell that story? Fun Home is, uh, it's an incredibly, beautifully, densely, perfectly woven masterpiece. And when I say that, I mean that it has so many layers of content even, but also meaning and, you know, theme and, uh, personal insight and uh, insight about the world that even now, however many years, 10 years after I first picked it up, every time I pick up that book, I see something I didn't see before. So it is, it is even now, even now it is, you know, it, I, I just, I don't, I don't know that we will ever have source material that uh, rich again. Uh, it was it, it was really um, incredible. One of the things about how beautifully it's made is that I found it it was so painstaking to try to take it apart because I would start to try to just track one element of it and then I would be 30 pages in and I would have forgotten what I was looking for. I would just be inside of it again. It was very hard to look at it from the outside. It was very hard to deconstruct it. Um, you know, it would just suck you back inside of its construction. It was really incredible. But... You know, I mean, I have, I mean, I have tens of thousands of pages of drafts, first of all, but also, you know, I went through one time and I wrote out everything that the, the, the narrative captions say. I, and then I went through another time and wrote down all of Bruce's dialogue. I wrote down every scene. Then I went through and I was like, what are the actions? Write down every, in, in every panel, what, is, what are actually the theatrical actions? What are they doing? Then, you know, I, I just kept going through and trying to separate things out um, to, to figure out what was there. And, and then I was in contact with Allison. Um, you know, I, I wrote to her and asked her if she could describe for me uh, what, for, you know, from, in her words, what the uh, construction of the book was, what the structure of the book was. That was really, really interesting. Dad was born on this farm, here's our house, here's the spot where he died. I can draw a circle, his whole life fits inside. BroadwayCon the Podcast is a co-production between BroadwayCon Media and Theatre Podcast Productions. The episodes are produced and edited by me, Patrick Hines. Just a reminder that tickets for BroadwayCon 2017 are now on sale. You can find information and tickets at broadwaycon.com. If you just can't wait till next week for your theater podcast fix, you can check out my other podcast. It's called Theater People. We do long-form interviews with Tony winners, Broadway legends, and today's brightest theater stars. You can find it on iTunes or Stitcher or any place else that podcasts live. BroadwayCon the podcast will be back next Wednesday with scenic designer David Corns, Tony nominee for Hamilton and Emmy winner for Grease Live. Congratulations, boo. That episode will also include a quick chat with Tony winning Hamilton director Thomas Kale. Until then, we ask you to remember this. If you get really pissed and we'll call someone.
one slap When they call the cast album a freaking soundtrack You're a fan